bandwidth for Cloth Talk is provided by the Scout History Project. Visit us at www.scouthistory.net. Cloth Talk, number 18. This is the only Cherokee round you'll ever get. Welcome to Cloth Talk. I'm Tim Hall, and with me online here is uh, Ben Killen and Chris Brightwell. How's it going, guys? Hey, going pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, actually, I, I'm, we're recording this just just right after Thanksgiving, and I went home briefly for Thanksgiving to Alabama, and me and my dad actually drove the truck all the way back up to New York, about 22 hours of driving. Uh, but now I have all of my stuff piled up in my apartment. I can hardly walk around, but uh, I'm glad to have it all here. So lots of work to get it all settled, but but at least it's here. How about you, Chris? Well, I'm kind of in that lull at school right now between final projects being due and final exams being started, so I'm sort of in a sleep-deprived studying state right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I uh, actually was standing outside, and I looked, and down the hill came this kid on a bicycle. I thought it was a kid on a bicycle, and then he started yelling, "Tim!" And I, I, it was Ben Killen on a bicycle. And I don't. I guess you made it back up the hill, didn't you? Yeah, I did. That was a one-speed bike. That was my dad's old, like Schwinn. My dad's old Schwinn bicycle that he's had for I don't know how long. He's like, you know, that's worth something. I'm like. Okay, whatever. I, I aired up the tires. I'm, like, I'm taking this around the block, and so I did. And, and Tim and I, like my parents' house and Tim's house, are pretty close together. So I just rode it down the hill to Tim's house. I was like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Yeah, and uh, so we stood and talked for a little while, but then I had to go back up the hill, and that wasn't very fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I drove past your your place, and you were packing uh, the uh, rental vehicle, and you and your dad were going to head out the next, I guess morning yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i bet that was so, an adventure it was it was a trip in every sense of the word but <laughs> uh but yeah i'm glad glad we got it all done and definitely appreciate dad for all the help with with that and driving the truck and all that but uh but yeah i'm starting to get a little more settled here the apartment's starting to actually look like a real apartment so, uh-huh. so that's good well, uh, coming up later in the show is Julian Simmons, uh, a friend of uh, and lodge member, lodge brother of, of ours uh, from uh, the Birmingham area. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, a lodge that was difficult for me as a youth to uh, collect, uh, even get one patch of, and that's Cherokee, the uh, old Cherokee 50, which is a merged lodge now. And uh, that's coming up. Uh, I think Julian did a great job talking about uh uh, some of the the issues and the fakes and the uh, other other things that just made Cherokee unique. So that's coming up. So Chris, um, what do you got for us this week on our wiki tip? Well, I uh, was helping another friend make his way through setting up an account, and he said, "Well, how do I find stuff?" So I sort of walked him through it, and I decided, you know, maybe this would be a good tip. How do you find something in the wiki? And fortunately, when you go to scouthistory.net and you click on the wiki logo, you're presented with this main page, which we're actually creating a new version right now. But 
there's a whole bunch of stuff on the main page. And if you look on the left-hand side, there's a search box. So if you're looking for something and you have no idea where to start, you can go to the search box. And for, for example, if you type in like Kusa Lodge into the search box and you hit enter or you click on go, it'll sort of go to the database and it'll do a search and it'll find the entry on Kusa Lodge and it'll take you straight to that entry. But if you do a search on, say, uh, Siatsi Sigoli Lodge, which we featured an episode or two ago, I don't think there's a page for them yet. And if you can figure out how to spell it and <laughs> you search for it, it's going to come back and it'll say, uh, hold on, I actually got to type it in. There's no page titled Siatsi Sigoli Lodge, but you can create this page. So it's like if you're looking for something and it's there, it'll show up in the search. And if it's not an article of a page, it'll find hopefully it'll find a place in an article that uses that phrase. So if I were to search for Ben Killen, there's no article on Ben Killen, but there's several articles that mention Ben Killen. So it'll find all of those articles, and hopefully I'll either hit it with the name of an article or with the content of an article, but I'll find what I'm looking for. And if I don't find what I'm looking for, there's always this link that says you can create this page. So you click on create this page, and it presents you with you know editing you know, whatever you're looking for. And it's kind of like a word processor where you type in your stuff and you hit save and it adds it to the wiki. So that's kind of a, an intro on how to find stuff. And if you don't find it, it'll sort of help you get in the right direction of creating content. And I guess next week we'll, or next episode, I guess, we'll cover sort of a starting intro on how to uh, create a page or how to edit a page from scratch. Okay, cool. So what should people do if they uh, they sort of dive into the wiki, but they run into problems or, or need help? What, what, what should they do? Well, if you have a user page, uh, which we sort of touched on on the last episode, but some people are a little more adept. If you have a user page, you can type help me with the curly brackets, and somebody will come and help you along. Or you can email me, uh, chris at clothtalk.com, and I check my email pretty regularly, and I should be able to get back to you within a day. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate that wiki tip. And, and again, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to contact Chris or me, and we're going to be eager to help you uh, because you are helping us. So um, that's, that's the best thing that you can do to help out the Scout History Project, and it doesn't cost you a dime. So hop on there and, uh, and add your part of the Scout History to our wiki and share it with the world. Yep, even if you don't really know what you're doing, just help us get the content there and we'll dress it up and help you make everything look the way it should. Definitely want to get you to subscribe to our e-newsletter if you uh, listen to the show or maybe this is your first time listening to the show. Um, at the, on our webpage, uh, there's a little box on the left-hand side uh, where you can put your email address and hit enter. Um, and you, it'll take you through a couple of steps to verify your email address. But then once you've done that, um, you'll actually get an email every time we post a new episode. So that way you don't have to remember to go back to the site every two weeks. Um, you'll just get an email automatically and that way you'll know and you can come to the site and listen or if you want to subscribe through iTunes you can certainly do that uh, but that is one way that we sort of keep track of how many people are listening and uh, it, it helps you um, be able to remember about the episodes even if, if you're forgetful like I am so um, definitely sign up for the newsletter um, and if you have any questions don't hesitate to let us know Well, uh, 
Let's see. We can start off with. We just want to talk about Cherokee. As far as collecting patches, it was uh, it was difficult to do. As far as some of the patches, I I have happened to have every patch that they ever ever produced, as far as I know. And the hardest patch took me for to get was their 1967 conclave patch, which was held at um, uh, Sequoia. It was just seemed to be just couldn't find it. Now, that must have been, when did Sequoia, that's Camp Sequoia, and that's, uh, I guess, really close to Anniston, uh, closer to Anniston than Birmingham down yeah, off Yeah, it's just right outside, right outside, it's about Chihol. Right, and and where did, uh, when did uh, that camp open? Uh, that camp opened, um, I want to say 72. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, well, I want to say 72 is when Camp Sequoia opened. Excuse me, I am wrong. It was at Indian Valley. Okay. So this is a nineteen sixty seven patch. I'm just I've just met, made myself look like a fool, but uh uh but that the Indian Valley patch uh, of the, and it was of course conference D E at that time was the hardest patch for me to find. It was just evidently not that many available. But um the uh, other than that they could the other couple of other patches that people have really ha- have been hard to find for Cherokee was the 1974 Cherokee powwow patch and the 1975 Cherokee 50 powwow patch. The 74 looks like an orange thunderbird, and it seems to be harder to find than the 75th powwow. I just looked upon those somewhere, and uh, the um, uh, th- those, those patches, again, you know, were, were difficult. Now, as far as collecting these patches, the... You know, the thing about, a lot of people may not understand about Cherokee is I've been told that Cherokee was the last lodge uh, to have a, uh, their, their patch was, was not, a, was, was not a, a regular flap, but a, but a round patch. And National made them change to that patch in 1974. And I'll tell you a funny story about that patch. That 1974 first patch or the first flap of Cherokee was made by John Gottsey, which worked for the scouting, and uh, no one liked it, <laughs> and no one would use it. So, as you know, Cherokee was pretty tight with their patches, and uh, they didn't trade them. And in, in 1975, and I got this straight from the... Uh, from a uh, the lodge chief's mouth on this one, he said in 1975 they were going to NOAC, and the LEC voted to sell those patches to the L- to the members delegates going to the NOAC for 25 cents a piece, and says trade them, get rid of them, we don't ever want to see them again. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons you don't see many of the first flaps because they've just been traded out. What was there had been traded throughout the United States. Right, and but, see, uh, Cherokee was always a very difficult lodge to collect. Even being in the same section with you as I was, I, I didn't. I, I never got a Cherokee actually until um, until someone gave me one, and it just happened to be attached to a plaque. So it, it was uh, difficult to to collect Cherokee and. And being uh, such a uh, lodge, uh, like you said, I, I really do believe that uh, Cherokee probably was the last lodge in the nation to finally come up with a flap. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, those were difficult to, to get. And because they were difficult to get, there were quite a few different fakes at different times throughout Cherokee's history. Right. Well, just to give you an idea on this, 
you know, uh, we started in 32 or 33, I think, and we only had 12 regular flaps. In that whole length of time, we had three, three, 12 regular flaps, three black flaps, two powwow flaps, one round fellowship, and then the last round temporary that we made. And that was a total of all the patches the lodge ever made. Uh, now, as far as, are you counting one of those as the arrow that the uh, the famous arrow that was broken in half and sewed on? Well, I'll explain that. Okay, I'll, I'll explain that. What the, when when you became well, the, we have two rounds. The first round is a cut patch, and the second round is a rolled edge patch. They look almost virtually the same, but when you became an ordeal member, you got the round patch. And then the next year or two years or three years later, whenever you decide to seal your you're born in the Brotherhood, you were given an arrow, and the arrow wasn't long enough to stretch all the way across underneath the patch, so people had to cut it, and they would sew that on their uniform, and then sew the patch on top of it at about a, I don't know, 33-degree angle or so across, you know, across the uniform. Right. Now, I've been told, I've never seen this, I have been told some people that got vigil would put two arrows on their, on their outfit. I've never seen it, but I've been told that. Hmm. Um, as far as you know, the arrows, the uh, they were virtually the same. Later on, we we reproduced the arrow. I think as in '96, we reproduced the arrow uh, to put it on some neckerchiefs that we made. And because we're always fooling around doing things, some of us took that same arrow, and because we had some, there was some overruns on those, and they they were selling to the lodge, so we took them and. On the neckerchief that had the uh, the arrows on there, we would take the, take the buy a third arrow because this one had the patch in, uh, an embroidered patch and round patch in the middle, and had an arrow on the left and an arrow on the right. Then we would put one on top and make and we called it a vigil necklace, but it was not official. Well, I see. It did, was not official at all. Did Cherokee ever issue any felts? Not that I know of. Not, and I have everything here. I'm looking through. My book. I've never seen a felt patch. Okay, uh, I didn't really think they did, but I wasn't sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that has, has confused a lot of people about Cherokee is that there was a red neckerchief that was produced by Post Fifty, which was a dance team for the lodge, and it was called Cherokee Post Fifty, and they produced this red neckerchief and had some arrows on it, and everyone's seems to think that is was one of Cherokee's first neckerchiefs. It was not. It was actually made by Chief Cross's mother for the dance team. And whenever they would go out west or whatever, they would be issued these neckerchiefs or when they would put in their performances. And it was as a red neckerchief with the Cherokee round on it and two arrows on both, one going up each side of the, uh, the neckerchief. It was never an official, ever, an official uh, neckerchief. Cherokee did not have a, the first neckerchief until 1975, and it was a white neckerchief with the uh, Cherokee bird and, and, and the Cherokee above it. It okay. was white with red piping. And 75 was their first one. And then they came out with a yellow one, and then they reproduced the white one again, and then they had the 65th anniversary. And then finally the red one. But that's, that, was, that was the neckerchief we had. Now, as far as you talk about being a hard, hard, hard to... Uh, hard to get and fake we had a number of fakes and most of the fakes seemed to always appear just before Noah. Hmm. the um the first fake that 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 we had was called a 
we had a flap that was called a jet flap. And the reason it was called a jet flap, the Thunderbird on there's eye was just a little line and a slant. So I guess, you know, we weren't very many politically correct, but it became known as a jet flap. And okay. the Thunderbird was a, a totally different Thunderbird. It was the basic Thunderbird that we used, but it was a little different. And uh, we produced two of those. And the difference between the two is the location of the Cherokee 50. On on the the first one that came out, the Cherokee 50 is almost centered above the, the Thunderbird. But on the second one that came out, the Cherokee 50 is all the way to the left side, looking at the patch. And that was the one someone first decided to um, to fake. And it was first seen at the 94 Black. And the most obvious thing about this particular Thunderbird is the yellow embroidery on the Thunderbird is bright, bright yellow. I mean, it's, it's just, if you know their patches, you can tell it's obvious that it's, you know, a fake. Hmm. Okay. And then the, then we have another one. I don't know where this one really came from or when. And it was a, it was the fake of the, uh, S6, which was when we had gone back to Thunderbird, as you all know, in that tight patch, but it was a really poorly, poorly embroidered patch. The 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 uh, colors overlapped. Uh, the background in in the patch was broken, and and and, and it was I don't know where it came from, but it's you look at it compared to a Cherokee patch, it, it was it's really a poor quality patch. Cherokee seem for some reason to always. Get some good. When they had their patches made, they got top stuff. Right. And then the next patch that was faked came out at the 1996 NOAC. And in fact, I was there and was standing with Mark Hayes, and this guy comes up that we knew and says, I got to get one of y'all's patches. He says, Well, we didn't make a NOAC patch. He said, Yes, you did. I've seen them. And <laughs> he said, Well, we didn't make one. Mark, Mark was a lodge advisor. I said, Look, I'm a lodge advisor. We didn't make them. So we did a little scrounging around, and sure enough, someone had made three that year. And if you know what our 75th anniversary patch looked like, they took the 75th patch that we made, and they took the 75th off of it, and they left the patch and took the Fort Lee off of it, and then they made three of them, one with a white border, one with a red border, and one with a yellow border. Hmm. I don't know... And no one ever was able to find out where they came from. But once we got at NOAC and, and it was reported it was a fake patch, as far as trading it at NOAC, it, it just stopped. No one, no one could find them. Um, funny thing is I talked to this friend of mine who was heavily into batch collecting then out of North Carolina, and he's a, he had his own business. And I said, see if you can find out where this patch came from. And uh, he did some nosing around, and he says, I can't find out where it came from, but I, what I've been told is it came from your own lodge. Somebody's high up in scouting in your own lodge. Hmm. Now, I'll tell you a funny story about that is when we got back on, on, in the cars from NOAC and we were at the scout office unloading, one person came up to us and says, let me see those NOAC patches they gave you, those fake NOAC patches they gave you. We don't know how he knew anything about it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to say who it was. But, but he said, because what had happened was 
Mark and I got this midnight phone call. This is the truth. I had, I had taken my car up there because I had to leave a day early to go back to work. And I walked in about 12 o'clock, and Mark said, come on, we got a, uh, we got something to go do. And I said, okay. So we jumped in the car, and he told me where to go. And I pulled up down this dark street, and this guy stepped out behind a tree and handed him this big vanilla folder full of patches. <laughs> and they were these fake patches. <laughs> <laughs> And so Sounds we like a back. drug deal, Julian. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> like, well, what are we fixing to do? So we went back there. We really didn't know what was going on. This guy just called Mark in the dorm and said, hey, I don't even remember who it was. Someone told me to give you this package, and you're the lodge advisor. You do what you want to do with them. So we got back to the dorm, and we opened them up and saw what it was, and we divided them up into sets, and uh, we pretty well gave them out to, to the uh, most of the kids that were with us. <laughs> uh, just you know, put this in your collection. Don't go trade it, and uh, and and got rid of the uh, the next patch has the wildest story, and I can't tell you anything about it other than well, this in night in in Noak two thousand. Before we went to Noak, there were people in that lodge, lodge, and I wasn't one of them that got envelopes in the mail. And in the envelope, and they, in the envelopes were these Noak 2000 Cherokee flaps. Again, a red one, a black one, and a gold or a yellow one. And these were a recreation of our F1 flap, the very first one we had. Ah. Some people got one set. Some people got five sets. Some people got more than that. Don't know. I wasn't one of the fortunate ones that got it. Now I have some because some people hand them to me, but I don't know where they came from. We never heard a word, never saw them at NOAC, don't know any more about them than that. Right. Yeah, I got one of those, and, and nobody's ever been able to tell me anything about it or right. who's responsible for it or anything. Mm -mm. Yeah. And, and, of course, we have the final patch. We call it a fake. I don't know about Cascanepo and Achinachi, but oh, yeah. it's the Tinker Flap. Yeah, we were gonna. We, we need to probably case this one a little bit. Uh, of course, Cherokee was one of the lodges, along with uh, Cherokee Fifty, Cascanepo uh, Three Ten, and Achinachi. What's that number? Four. One thirty-five. One thirty-five. One right. Yeah, one thirty-five. Thank you. Anyway, they combined basically in uh, actually in ninety-nine, but they were 99. still functioning as three different lodges in 99, but in 2000, right. they, they functioned as one lodge. Is that right? Right. And um, the Supreme Chief of the Fire at the time made a, an issue of uh, each lodge's standard issue flap, and we call it the Tinker flap. Mr. Tinker was our uh, <laughs> council executive, and certainly he had the prerogative to do that, and he used it for, his, for, for awards, basically, for the lodge merger group, as I recall. And right. uh, that's that for all three lodges. That's uh, an obscure but difficult to get issue because there wasn't that many of them made. No, and and the, the I don't know about the Cascanapo and the Achinachi patch, but it was obvious to a real Cherokee fifty collector because of the patch had two things on it that ours our official issue never did. And number one was ours never had a made in. I want a Hong Kong sticker on it. Mine's rubbed off, so I can't tell you what it was. But it has a gold sticker on the back, and I think it says made in Taiwan. And ours came from Crowman, which probably still made over there. But at least it didn't come with a sticker. But the, the most obvious thing to look at was where it started and stopped 
the embroidery around the patch. Mm-hmm. On all of the Cherokee 50 patches that we've ever produced, and I've gone through a bunch of mine and look, it's, it's the starting and stopping point. Is, if you're looking at the patch, is at the bottom just to the right of the uh, of the center of the patch. And it starts there and goes all the way around and comes back down and stops there. On the tinker patch, it starts, in, as you're looking at the patch, in the top left-hand corner. And hmm. that's that's the real way most people under the, the sticker gets rubbed off. But but the, on, on where that embroidery starts is where you can tell, you know, the difference in the patches. And it was an official patch, you're correct, because it was meant by exec, and it was given to, uh, in fact, he gave most of those awards to because my both of my sons got a set of them on the on the committees that were helping to merge the lodge with you know he we went through about a year of committees and of, of, of merging these lodges and he made sets up and he gave those to the the, the work, hard work of the youth and the adults that were involved in the uh, the merger. Right, and and really when you see. Um especially those three together, uh, but you see any of them, they do stand out as being just a little bit different color-wise and even texture-wise and everything. You you, you can tell that it's a, uh, it's one of those special... Uh... Yeah, the, the, back, the, the background in the Cherokee seems to be uh, a, a little coarser, and, and to me, the, the Cascanepo, the purple on the outside, seems to be a little lighter. Right. Yeah, the background on the Cascanepo is a little bit weird, too, especially because I was the, the trading post... Uh, chairman for Kaskinampu for two or three years. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw one of those, I was like, something doesn't quite look right. So I started digging around, and somebody said, yeah, Tinker had those made. So, right. uh, yeah, it's it's kind of strange. If you're very familiar with the patches, then you run across one of these, what we call the Tinker flaps. Uh, they definitely stand out as something that looks kind of strange, but you can't really figure out why. Well, you're correct. You're correct there. They stand out. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, people people fake patches for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, they do. The, Cherokee did the round. Did they? They never had a hanger. I thought at one time they had uh, the the round one was made together with an arrow. And okay, or was I'll that tell a you about that because I happen to be the person that designed that. Patch. Ah, okay. Um, we call it the Alpha Omega patch. View of us because uh, some of us, you know, when, when we were first talking about merging. A lot of us will admit we didn't want it to happen. But once it happened, we all, those of us old guys still around, opened arms to each other and, and welcomed it. But until it happened, nobody really wanted it to happen, I don't think, Right. Uh, of, of the three lodges. But anyway, knowing that anybody can wear a what's called a temporary patch as long as they want on their uniform, you know, that usually the one that hangs down on the button, uh, we decided... In the end, if we were going to wear the kusa, that we were going to make a patch that we, what we called a temporary patch. And I literally took the first patch and the first arrow, and I xeroxed them, and I I cut and I put it together like that. And I called Crowman and and told him this is what we wanted, and to put a loop on it, and we made this patch. And it was worn by a lot of kind of the diehard Cherokee folks for a while, and uh, of course then. As we all became better friends, it, it went away. Right. But that's why the loop is on there, and that's how it came about. Okay. That's why the guy called the Alpha Omega was the first and the last. Ah, okay, clever, clever. <laughs> and, and, of course, the Cherokee totem was the Ivory Bill Woodpecker, is that right? Correct. And about the time uh, the three lodges merged, uh, the Ivory Bill was actually discovered again, right? 
<laughs> it was extinct for many years, and then uh, they have supposedly uh, found it in uh, Arkansas, as I recall. Well, yeah, but oddly enough, I read about a month or so ago they've they've spotted it down here in the Florida Panhandle in, in the swamp areas again. Hmm. Also, how about so, that? But yeah, it's a, it's got about a six foot wingspan. It's a big, big, big woodpecker. Yeah, it is. It is. And. Uh, I, oddly enough, I was, uh, uh, you, you know, when they were talking about totems for the merge. I, Chris, weren't you in on that? Uh, no, I wasn't, but I think Ben was. Yeah, ben, yeah, were? I was. Mm-hmm. Well, there were all kind of totems. There was the phoenix, and and of course the thunderbird was thrown in there again, and of course we ended up with the uh, with the red red shoulder hawk. Right. And uh, but uh, there was a there was, these guys did some. When it was time to merge, they they did a lot of deep planning, and and fortunately, you know, when they made our new our, our new patch, especially the original one, it had a little bit of the colors of all three lodges merging. You know, with the the basic design outline of the patch was uh, was Cherokee, and and then the uh, the purple writing and the, on it was was for Cascanapo, and then it had the orange and the yellow for the uh, Achenachi. So it was a pretty good patch. Right. One of the patches, one of the flaps that's still kind of hard to get, I guess, because it was such a limited group that was uh, eligible for it, would be the black LEC uh, flap. Uh-huh. And uh, what was the story behind that? That was the first time I'd ever seen an LEC that had a flap, and I thought it was kind of uh, distinguishing, actually. Well, initially when it was set up, and it was a patch that the LEC voted to... Um, to let people know in the lodge uh, who was who was the LEC members and doing the work. That was the main idea. And, the, and, the, uh, event, and originally, when it was set up, you could only earn one, mm. period, for life. And then, as in probably in most lodges, you get a group of young men in there that probably uh, they work for three or four years in a row within the lodge. I mean, you always got new young ones coming in, but still... Uh, they decided in the end that you know these guys are going to be there if they attended so many LEC meetings a year, and and, and met the, met those requirements, then they could earn another LEC patch uh, okay. the next year. And of course, you know it's very similar. It's very similar to our uh, what our um, uh, 75th patch, except the only difference is rather than the seven having the 75th on it, it has LEC. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, of course, you know, then we had several. Um, look, look, so I'll give you a little idea about our uh, uh, NOAC flaps. In 1994, we had a patch designed, and it was designed by Craig Crenshaw, which you guys know. And it was a, a woodpecker, and he was on some poplar trees. Right. And uh, I think they're poplar trees. And anyway, um, and it was a spring. Spring background, full of color, uh, and it was blues and yellows and greens, and, and, and it was a pretty spring color. And he designed two of them, and the other one was, was in fall background. So the idea was that the next NOAC, they were going to produce the other one. It would be the same patch, except the background colors would be, be different. Well, that was okay, except you all know John Ingram. And John Ingram was a, was a woodsman. And John Ingram says, you got the bird on the wrong kind of tree. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't belong on that kind of tree. <laughs> so, and, and uh, uh, the next the next NOAC, when they developed the patch, 
in 98, we came up with uh, that patch again, except it's, it's again, it's the woods, but it, it's got the woodpecker, but it's on uh, a big uh, pine tree or hardwood tree and uh, the right kind of tree. And actually, they developed two of those. They developed one with a black border and one with the, uh, a silver mylar border. And the silver mylar was a delicate, and the black was for anybody wanted. Okay, okay. And, and as I recall, y'all sold one of those flaps to uh, help... Uh fund your transportation or something about NOAC, as I recall. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me remember which one that was. That was that's kind of when we were getting in the, you know, the merger area. We were talking, um, we, we were That was friends. probably, that might have been in, 90, in 98. Okay. That was probably around 98. And what we did was this. We basically gave them the patch. I was in charge of transportation that year. And, and, and getting us there and, and feeding us. So what we did was this. We uh, actually didn't sell it for fundraiser, but because, you know, when you drive some of these long distances, now, Bill can usually keep enough money in his pocket to have enough food to get on the way home. Right. But you know what a youth does. He spends it all, and then he's when going home, two-day trip going home, he's got no money to eat. So what we did was I sold them five patches, and they gave me $25 cash. And I put that $25 in a, in a zipper bag, and when we went up, uh, on the way up, I would go, I would uh, go get out of the, the vans, and I would go in there to a restaurant, and, and if it was McDonald's, I, or I handed them five bucks for breakfast and five bucks for lunch, but if it was a, if it was a, a supper, I would go in there, which find like a sizzling steakhouse or something, and I would go into the and tell the guy, hey, look, I got 40 guys out here, they're hungry, they're scouts, and uh, can you make me a deal? And I'd usually get a deal on the meals, and then we would pay for the uh, food out of that money. And it worked okay. almost all the way home. The last, the last trip coming home, I looked at the money. I mean, the last, last restaurant, and I looked, and, and I had my two, two of my boys with me, and I, I had to buy mine, my, my dinner, and my boys' dinner, and Mark had to buy his son, and, and that covered everything. I just didn't quite have enough money. But the idea was to make sure that the boys had meal money on the way home. I think I would. I think I would have to say that '94 Noak, the uh, with the, on the poplar trees or birch yeah. trees. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think that's probably, in my opinion, like the most beautiful Cherokee patch. I mean, I know it's definitely a, a departure well, from like. I think it's birch now that I look at it. But you're right. It is a beautiful patch. Yeah, it, it, it's, and it's interesting, too, because it's like a, definitely a departure from the standard sort of Cherokee patch, which I also think is, is actually very beautiful in a, like, simple and classic way. But, but, uh, I, I don't, I think, I mean, Greg Crenshaw, uh, for those that know him, he's, a, he's an incredible, like, artist and everything like that. And it, the patches really turned out great. And it's interesting to note, Tim was asking earlier about felt patches. While I don't think, I mean, while I don't think Cherokee had any fully felt patches, the, uh, the three legitimate NOACs do have a felt background. Like this 94 NOAC and then the two, um, 98s. Um, yeah, both did have like the felt in the background. You, you, you're probably right. That is some. It's some type of. Yeah, the blue sky is a felt on it, and then the others embroidered on top of it. I guess you're right. But when, when I was thought when he said felt, I was thinking about the whole thing. And you're correct. Sure, yeah. You are correct. Both of those. Both of those do have. All three of those patches, the, the silver and the black, and then the '94, do have a felt background. And so you know, I don't collect patches that much. I did. 
and I used to know everything about it, but it's been a while. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one of the funny things that we encountered. Uh, I think I was lodge advisor at one time with Ben as my chief, and we we were starting this merger process, procedure and everything, and we, we said, okay, well, let's get everybody's bylaws and let's lay them out and look at them. And we always thought, because we were from North Alabama, uh, Kaskanapu 310 and Achinachi 135 really covered the top of the state, and then Birmingham is the next large, well, next lodge you run into, if, you know, going south. I always kind of assumed that uh, Kaskanapu and Achinachi in their rules would be very similar. Well, Ben, we started laying those things out, and what did we find? Yeah, it was, de- was definitely a lot more similarity between Cherokee's bylaws and Kaskanapu's bylaws uh, than than Achinachi's and any of the other two. It was it was actually pretty amazing how similar we were to Cherokee and how different Achinachi was as far as like the bylaws uh, mm-hmm. from the other two. Uh, but that's totally different from what we would have expected, but that's what we found when we laid them side by side like that. And uh, Julian, I think that goes back to where Cherokee probably did the original induction and gave some guidance to the folks from the Tennessee Valley Council back well, in did, the 50s. Well, they did that and Achinachi also. Really? Really? Uh, but uh, you, you're correct there. They they had some influence there. I, I'm sure in the because in getting them started. It was amazing to me. I mean, I was speechless. I, I remember sitting there looking at that, going, "Ben, I just don't believe this." I mean, and of course, that's where you know each lodge, each respective lodge has had uh, you know since the '50s had 50 years of you know massaging the different rules and changing them, and you, you know national policy changing, and but yet the still you could definitely see the uh, footprints from Cherokee still uh, on uh, on them, and that was just really stunning and fascinating well, to me. You know, there was something, and, and I, I, there was something that we felt was interesting. When when I first got into Cherokee, I, and and I didn't get in as a youth, and uh, and, and Mark came in, uh, we we started going. You know, we were going to conclaves and all, and we befriended a lot of people in in in, in Achinachi and and Cascanepo, and and there was a mentality in Cherokee, which I'm sure you guys. Are aware of and, and saw that Cherokee was stuck. Out. Would you agree? <laughs> yes, 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 I would. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In general, I would definitely up. agree. Uh, they were stuck up, and but Mark and I saw this was wasn't needed, and tried to befriend and and work things out and get to know you guys, and um, I it helped a lot because you know that good guys there. I mean. Uh, it was interesting that, that the attitude that Cherokee had. I, I later found out that most times we went to Conclave, there wasn't any of the other lodges in our section didn't like us at all <laughs> because of the attitude. I, and, I, I don't know. It wasn't I didn't like you. I just didn't have any of your patches. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get any. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, uh, yeah, I, w- my uh, section advisor was uh, Mr. Ken Ackerman. Did you know Ken? I've never met him, but, I, but uh, you know, I, I know of him. He was a great representative of Cherokee Lodge and, and just a fine gentleman. And that, uh, that really, uh, you know, got me... Uh, to know a lot more about Cherokee and a lot more people in it, and well, uh, it was a great group. Great group. You, you know, you're talking about trading patches, and and um, back back to that 1967 conclave patch at Indian Valley. I, we were all down at uh, in the Mobile Council, 
uh, Wolchelina, and I had an LEC on, on my shirt. And this gentleman came up to me. As you say, the LEC was tough to get, right, guys? Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This guy came up to me, and he said, you want to trade that patch? I said, there's only two patches I'll trade for. And I said, that is a 1967 Indian Valley or a 1954 Open TP Indian Valley. And what I mean by that is that nobody understands this. In the 1954 Conclave, they have two patches that are identical except and have a TP on it, except one TP is fully embroidered red and the other one is only a, a red and black outline. And nobody knows why that I can find out. Hmm. So anyway, this guy says, I don't have the Indian Valley, but I have the Conclave. So he looked at me and says, you mean to tell me you'll trade that LEC for, this, for that Conclave patch? I said, yeah. So he took off running and he came back and he says, Okay, and, and he says he had his knife out to cut off my uniform. I said, no, I'm not going to give you this one on my uniform. I'm in my pocket. And I handed him a brand new one, you know. And he said, do you realize this isn't a fair trade? I said, it is to me. I said, you're getting something you want, and I'm getting something I want. We both feel good about it, right? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, we well, good trading with you. And we move on. Right, right. And, and uh, there's a lot of times when I'm trading with people, whatever, they want to go dollar for dollar value, and sometimes that's not what's all. I'm right, to me, that's not what's all about. Right. If you're looking for a certain patch, come on, yeah. let's make a deal. <laughs> you know. Well, one thing I've learned from talking to some of these traders is if if you see that patch and it's physically in front of you, if you want it, you better get it. Right. Because you may not ever see it again. Yeah, that 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 is that is so true, so true. Yeah. And uh, uh, like I said, I've done that patch for four years. Uh. In fact, I ran across a letter the other day um, uh, from um, Kennedy, Achinachi. Um, what's his first name? Um, he was his advisor. Uh, Kennedy. Um, yeah, I'll think oh, of Charlie. it. Charlie. Charlie Kennedy, yeah. Charlie, I asked Charlie if he had one. He said, no. He, he said, yeah, but I don't have one to trade, Julian. I said, will you do me a favor? Will you make me a color copy and send it to me so I can at least have a copy of it in the book? <laughs> So I know what I'm looking for exactly, and and I ran across that letter the other day with that color copy that he sent me. So, you know, a lot of people help you do these things and look for them, as you know. Oh yeah, that's uh, half the fun. Well, you know, the funny thing about it was, you probably guys will never see me at at our stuff trading patches at all because when I was looking for these Cherokee fifty patches, it was. The hunt was everything it was, and once I completed the set, it didn't, I just lost all all desire on trading patches. So, but that's okay. It, it, it was a great time hunting. <laughs> hey, I was in Cherokee trying to get them. I can't imagine you guys trying to get them and not being Cherokee. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Julian. Recently, um, I saw a, a like a, a post on eBay. Someone was selling a lot of Cherokee stuff, and they said, I categorize my patches by the Julian Simmons, Julian Simmons method. method. Yeah, that was my feel. <laughs> and so I was I was wondering what exactly is the Julian Simmons I'm method. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he <laughs> meant by that, to be honest, other than I numbered them a little different. I tell you, Pat, you guys may have and not have. You remember we had our Tri-Lodge Spring Fellowship? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you guys got staff patches from that one? I got I one. I was on staff and I didn't get one. I got see. Here's the thing too. I have, I actually have a dupe of that one, and Chris has been trying to talk me out of it recently. <laughs> yeah, what if we get one or two of those? I don't remember. It wasn't. Uh, I think you there were. You got two. 
I think if you were on staff, you could get two of them. I tell mm-hmm. you the funny thing about that particular, uh, that was out of one Oscar, and uh, everybody got the staff ones. And if you remember, we sold the, the regular patch at the end of the weekend. And by then, all the Cherokee folks had left, and they were just left sitting there. So I bought a brick of them, and Mark Hayes bought a brick of them because nobody wanted them. Hmm. Now everybody wants hmm. them. Not the staff, just the regular ones. Right. Um, but uh, that patch was was, was was is a pretty patch because you know if you look at it, it's got all three lodges on there. Of course, Achinachi is misspelled on that patch. Yeah, I was going to say what what uh, I wonder if that is an issue, and I haven't looked in the in OA images or the blue book. Is that an issue on uh, of all of each lodge, or is that going the yeah? It is. is it is it's it? an it's an event issue from each of the old lodges. Okay, uh, I wouldn't try right. What? It's they counted as an. Uh, I'm sorry. They counted as an event patch for all uh-huh. three lodges. Okay. Originally, they had they had called it like a, a regular issue, like flap patch. But then they decided that they wanted to call it an event patch. But it is listed with all three lodges. Yeah. Well, it was a neat patch. I don't know who designed it. And I never did. Mm, you know I, what I'm looking? I think right it was here. Bob. I'm, I'm looking right think, here in my in my little book on the staff patch. It says each. Each staff member could get three. Oh, it could have been three. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but well, I'm pretty I just, sure I that it was, was two. But that's what I've got written in this little book. I put together patches that you could have three of them. So, right. I, th- I, I want to say that it was designed by Bob Waldrop, who was the Kaskanampu advisor uh, during the early part of the merger stuff. Um, and then that's, of course, you took over after him, Tim. Right. But I think that that. I remember seeing like a drawing that he had uh, of this artwork long before the event. Well, James Flat would know for sure. Yeah, pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, someone was able to you know, integrate all three of them together like that, and it, it is pretty fast. Yeah, it is. It's a good one. So the last, uh, f- I started to say flap, but uh, let's change that the last patch that Cherokee issued as a lodge was the Alpha and Omega patch. Is that right? right. Okay. All right. The round one with the arrow on there. So there was no, uh, quote, death flap like uh, I believe Kaskanapu issued a death no. flap. Okay. Right. No. Uh, the funny thing about that particular patch is our first patch was a cut edge, and when we had this one made, we had this one made as a cut edge. <laughs> fortunately, I don't know if this is bragging or stupidity, but fortunately I had three sons in it, and, and we all three completed a whole set of Cherokee. Wow. Wow. All four, excuse me, the three sons and myself. Wow. That's so saying we were, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, but... Now, i tell you something that is a little interesting, and uh, that is the wooden nickel. Oh, yeah. Um, with yeah. The, the wooden nickel, and I actually made those and paid for them myself. I saw that one day, and we were going to NOAC, and... Uh, and I, I had, and I took again, took the Cherokee round, and put it on one side. And I, I had the sticker that, that uh, the red sticker that the state of Alabama gives away. And I put, and I put that on the back. And I had, I don't know, thousands of those things made. And then when we went to Noack, I, I gave them to the kids, and we distributed those uh, little wooden nickels. Uh, you know, they were three cents or a nickel a piece. I don't know. They weren't, they weren't too much, you know. And uh, we just gave them out. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I had 2,100 of them issued, I guess I see in my book. See, I don't even remember some of this stuff. <laughs> 2,100 made. <laughs> 2,100. Yeah, Tim, you, you, ought to, you ought to tell what you were told when you originally got one of those uh, Cherokee wood nickels. 
what? Yeah, what was it? Refresh my memory. Well, I think if I remember correctly, you told me, Tim, that the first time you got one of those wooden nickels, whoever handed it to you said, now this is the only Cherokee round you'll you ever, ever get. get. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might have been that's for true. me because that's what I needed to present it as. I said, you want a Cherokee round? You know? <laughs> yeah, man, flip them a nickel. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think that's how I got mine. <laughs> I, I'll tell you now, I'll tell you something that, that disappeared, and I don't know... They were sold from through in, in 1988 to 1997. My book says, and that is we had a little Cherokee 50 hat pin. Ah, I've Y'all seen a few of those. I have never seen, seen a few one. of those. Uh, yeah, and uh, they they sold them usually at Camp Sequoia in the summertime. We never really had them in a trading post, but they sold them at camp, and uh, they're hard to come by. I've got maybe a dozen of them. Uh, over when I was at camp, I would buy them and just put them up. But but it's the same thing. It's it's shaped like a flap, and it's like one of our. You know, it could be the S one or the S two or or something. I don't know because uh, um, it's hard to say. Small, but it's, but it's, it's the coloring and the shape is is a small flap, but it's just a small hat. As far as those arrows, when we when we had arrows made there in the end, uh, we had them made several times because people were using them for different things. Uh, Put on the uniform, or to, uh, or to put on their neckerchief, and we had them issued several different times there in the in the end of, in the day. We had them in '97 and '98 and '99. Uh, we, we had them made several times, and and they're a little different. And some people ask about those. Sounds good. Well, one question that we we often ask our guests on the show is kind of a two part question, and it is first, what is one patch that's in your collection that's like the the piece that is most special to you, or is like head and shoulders above some of the others that is really special to you? And then the other would be one patch that you don't have in your collection that you'd really like to bring into your collection. Probably the one patch is the easiest to say, and that was. Probably the 1967 Conclave because it was the last patch, and I hunted harder for that patch than any one patch I had. I mean, it was just elusive. It was out there. Everybody had seen it, but no one had one. And ironically about that thing is when I traded down there at Marbella and got it, two weeks later, a good friend gave me one. So, you know, you just never can tell, you know, when they're going to come. Is there a patch that I don't have? Uh... No, there's not a patch I don't that that I did not get. There is. I would like to have had, and although, like I told you earlier, it was not an official issue. I would have liked to have had one of Chief Cross's uh, mother's neckerchief, the original red neckerchief. But you know, I didn't get one. Hmm. Right, right. The, that's the post fifty one that you were talking about before. Right, right. It's okay, just a red right. neckerchief with the R one or R two, depending on when they made it, and two arrows. Uh, he, like the, his mother made those, and he gave them to the post fifty folks. And uh, that's that's that's. I would like to have one, but because I do like to collect neckerchiefs. But you know that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, John yeah. has one, but uh, you know. Well, Jillian, thank you for taking the time to be to talk with us this uh, evening, and uh, uh, as we. Well, you're quite welcome. I hope I've been somewhat informative on some of this stuff. Oh, it's fascinating, fascinating. I was afraid we'd ha- have a hard time getting you to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, definitely thanks for listening to this episode of Cloth Talk, bringing you the history of scouting through collectibles. I uh, want to thank uh, Julian Simmons, our guest. He, he shared a lot of cool information about Cherokee Lodge 50 and all the uh, history and patches that go along with it. I uh, also want to thank Daniel Hodge, our music virtuoso, who, who uh, composed the music that you hear every single episode. You're probably hearing it right now. Um, also, thanks, Chris. Appreciate you being on this time, and thanks for all your hard work on the wiki. Um, definitely couldn't do any of this without you. Thanks, Ben. As always, thanks for listening. This is Cloth Talk, bringing you the history of scouting through collectibles.